This is the Houston Coaches Podcast, where we honor the legacy of Houston area football and promote growth within the coaching profession through conversations with the greatest Houston area coaches of the past, present, and future. Brought to you by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Welcome back to the Houston Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Gomez, and I'm joined today by one of the most impactful coaches to the game of football over the last few decades, Houston area legend and longtime head coach of the Baytown League Anders, Coach Dick Olin. Coach Olin is still very involved in the board of directors of the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association, and someone I'm always grateful to be around, because along with having an outstanding football mind and being a great person, he's also a terrific storyteller. <laughs> thank, you very, thank you very much for joining us, Coach Olin. Well, thank you for asking me. I enjoy I, It's fun talking football, especially in Houston. Yes, sir. Uh, and as you know, you know, you've been kind of part of, the, of this whole process, but, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to, to gain wisdom and knowledge from, from you and your peers and, and pass it along to the new generation of coaches who are now charged with leading programs of our own and, and also to help those future campus and district leaders who are just now in their early stages of their journey. Uh, so just first off, you know, just coach, please give us a brief rundown of your playing and coaching career. Well, I started uh... In high school, I was a quarterback at Cedar Rapids, Washington, and Iowa. And then I went to Northern Iowa. I was a quarterback there and uh, was a three-year starter and uh, had a lot of good times. And then I went back to my high school and coached. And then I became a head coach at 26 at Clinton, Iowa, which is on the Mississippi River. It was a, a good situation, town of 35,000, one-horse town. We had 1,800 kids in three grades with a uh, ninth grade campus that had 900 kids. So it was a pretty good sized school. And uh, then what happened there was the uh, oil embargo. Everything kind of went to heck and all the industry left town. And we went from a town of 35,000 to a town of about 20,000, 21,000. Wow. And we went from where we had 2,700 kids in school to where we had 1,400 kids. And so then we decided let's come to Texas in 1983 if we're going to coach football so we did and uh, went to magnolia i was there as a freshman coach and then became the offensive coordinator after two weeks and uh, <laughs> then uh, i went to lufkin with pat culpepper where i was the oc there and that was a fun experience that was awesome and uh then from there i became the head coach at aldine eisenhower i was there for six years we won the first district championship they'd ever won. And that's where we put in our offense that we're running for all those many years. And uh, we had a really good quarterback named Rick Roper. Uh, the first one was Jimmy Glover, who went to Arkansas. Rick Roper went to uh, West Point, and he was a quarterback there. And he led the greater Houston area in passing. I know you'll find that a surprise. <laughs> but, uh, but then from there, I went to Baytown Lee. And that went there in 92. We went 0-10, and then we were 5-5, and then we were in the playoffs and won championships from that point forward. Yep. So it, it seems like, you know, a common, common uh, aspect of your story is just the, the, the fast movement. You know, it seems like you, you advanced pretty quickly throughout your career. Uh, so what, what is something, you know, I mean, as head coach at 26, you know, it's kind of it's, – it's hard to imagine. You know, so I'm thinking back to, you know, my experience and what I – knew and, and the kind of coach I was at 26, I certainly wouldn't have been ready for something like that. So, uh, so what's one thing that, that you wish everybody knew before they became a head coach or campus AD? Well, the best advice I ever got, uh, I, when I did my student teaching, a guy's name was Dr. Happ. I've never forgotten it. I've shared it. He said, never forget what it was like for you as a student when you became a teacher. And so I've applied that everywhere I've gone. Never forget what it was like for you as an assistant when you become a head coach. And then the thing that people forget is they also forget, they forget where they came from once they attain a certain goal. Like for example, you know, when these people leave coaching and get into administration, they forget all the things that they did as, uh, as coaches, you know, and that, that's a bad, bad deal. And my son, Jeff is now a, an assistant principal and he was an old line coach. And I said, Hey, get out, get your butt into administration because we need coaches back in administration. You realize when I came to Texas in 83, 
that was like a perfect storm. I mean, the principal was a former head coach. You know, your superintendents were coaches. Your athletic directors were coaches. They all understood what it took. We had those athletic periods, which in Iowa I had never, ever heard of. And that was the greatest thing going. And they asked me, they said, will you coach on your conference period? And I said, heck yes. I said, (laughs) my gosh. I mean, that's a no-brainer. And you know what's ironic is when I first came to Texas Coaches School, when I got that job in 83, there was a coach that was complaining because his head coach made him coach during his athletic period. And I said, now wait, or during his conference, I said, now wait, I don't understand this. You get to work with your kids during the day. They said, yeah, we have an athletic period and then we have a conference and he wants us to work then with athletes. And I said, what are you complaining about? I would do that all day long. (laughs) What is wrong? Go to Iowa where you teach six classes and then you have a conference the last period of the day and everything is after school. I mean, please, this is the best thing I've ever seen. So, but that advice is outstanding. Never mm-hmm. forget what it was like for you when you elevate or move into another position. And I always tried to remember that. And that was, that's very, very sound. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. Good one to live by in anything that you do. You know, just, oh, of course. Just, Remembering your your roots and what it was like for for on the other side, you know, because oh, absolutely, it's never nothing's ever one sided. So no, no, yeah. not at all. And you know, I mean, along with that, you know, we, you know, as a head coach, I told my coaches, I said, you know, hey, if you have to do something, let me know and take care of your family first. And you know, I kids used to come up all the time. And you know, one of our ball boys, well, my son Drew was a ball boy, my son Jeff was a ball boy, Lake was too old to be a ball boy, but we had Jalen Hurts as a ball boy and Avrion's other son, Avrion, who's now the OC at Baytown Lee, he was a ball boy. So those are great, great things, you know, bring your kids up and let them enjoy it. You know, Mm -hmm. on Saturday we would all go out. We had youth football. It was always at our stadium, right across the street, our sub varsity stadium. We would work our kids out, lift, run, do all that, watch video. And then they go out, and they would watch all these little kids run around. And uh, that was just a great thing. And kids, coaches, you know, hey, come up. And, uh, you know, because we're all working this together, we want to all be successful. But your family's important. Yeah, no doubt. So if if you had, I mean, if you could put yourself in a, in a situation where you if you were starting out now as a coach, what, what do you think you would do differently? Well, I don't know if I would do anything differently. Uh, I've now become a big, big, big supporter of 4A, 5A coaches that are in a single, you know, and even 6A, if you only have one high school. That's a great situation. You know, sometimes when you get into these situations where you have mega schools, you know, it's hard for you to develop your program because you have to do what the administration and all of them, usually you're a campus coordinator, but you'll have a district AD. And, uh, you know, sometimes those guys say, no, we can't do that or whatever, you know, well, they have to do it at these other schools, which was the case at Aldine. Whatever you did at Eisenhower had to be done at all the other schools or it couldn't be done. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of tough. And one of the guys that was our coach, one of our coaches, and he went with me to Louisville, Troy Rogers, and he coached at North Shore, and he became the head coach at Lampasas. And I went out there to visit. And, I mean, you know, it, it is unbelievable. You know, they have tailgating before, you know, not drinking and that. But, I mean, they cook, they eat. Little kids are running all over in the end zone. I mean, that was a great atmosphere. Those kids that play high school football there are heroes. And he's yeah. done a, Troy's done a great job building that program back up. And they've been in the playoffs. They went to the semifinals. A couple of years ago, got beat by Carthage, but I mean, it's it's a good situation. And I I've told my my son Lake, I said, look, you know, look at situations like that. I mean, those people is what Texas high school football was when I first came down. It's still important at those levels. And you know, I mean, we had a stadium at Baytown Lee that would seat sixteen thousand, eighteen thousand, whatever, and we would pack it, you know, for the Lee Sterling game and so on. But that such is not the case today. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have that same following 
that we once had. And I don't know the reason why, other than that there's so many other things that factor in. And, and kids today want instant gratification. I want to be a starter or, I, or I'm not going to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's hard to build numbers. Now, there are schools that have good numbers that want to be a part of it, and they still have the same traditions. But things are more difficult today for coaches than they were, you know, all these years ago. When I started, just thinking, you know, I came to Baytown Lee in 92. That's 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things are different. Yeah. And, and, and those of us that, that, you know, I mean, I was growing up in the 90s and it, it didn't seem like it was 30 years ago. It seems. But I mean, it, it was a great situation. We had two high schools, which was super. And, uh, you know, it, it was so much fun to coach. And the Gander pride was unbelievable. I mean. You know, you have to remember Baytown Lee burned to the ground and uh, they resurrected it on the same spot. And that was because all of the old ganders, no, they wanted it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that was a great situation to be in. Now, they wanted you to be successful. (laughs) They weren't that sympathetic, but, you know, away you go. So it was fun. I had a great life, great time. Well, and and I think that, you know, there's also the, the, like you mentioned, you know, there's just, there's a lot more schools now, you know, I mean, I grew up in Katie ISD and when I graduated high school, there was Katie, there was Taylor and there was made Creek and that was it. You know, yeah. and now Katie, ISD, you, know, and, you know, again, 20 years later, now Katie has 10 high schools in in that district. And so I feel like, you know, somebody who, you know, maybe somebody like me that, that went to Katie high school and, and if I were to move back to Katie, you know, maybe I would be in the, you know, Jordan attendance zone or Tompkins or, you know, so, so then, the, you know, like you said, the allegiances or the, the, that the legacy kind of gets gets watered down a little bit because there is so much movement, you know, throughout each district and you know, a lot of districts are that way. You know, Cy Ferris, you know, Fort Bend, they all were a lot smaller, and now that they're they're going into these huge mega districts, and so so there's not the following, like you said, of of the people who have been in that town or that community for for a generation or two. Oh, absolutely not, and and you know, I'll tell you what, when we went to Katy and we had the Bayou Bowl over there, you know, we. Uh, you know, the Katy, uh, the city of Katy was a, was a sponsor. And so, you know, we, we got the motels and did all of that. And so we had the meeting with all the dignitaries and so on. And we said, well, this is where we're going to stay. And this is what we're doing. And they went, oh, no, no, coach. No, that's new Katy. You need to stay in old Katy. And here are the motels that you need to stay in. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay. So, you know, the city of Katy with their mayor and everybody else, you know, they have that loyalties to Katy. And those mm-hmm. other schools are other schools. And I learned that quickly. And, you know, I mean, Gary Joseph is a phenomenal coach. And it's interesting. The first, I got to coach that Texas California game. And then I went out there one year and then the second year, Randy Rogers, ask whoever went out they said who wants to be the head coach because i'm getting out i said i do Uh, because now i know how to play the game so the first thing i did was call gary joseph well first actually i called mike i said do you care if i caught talk to gary about coming out and being the dc so i talked to gary i said you pick 18 kids and then you know we had to wait until after at this time the thsca still had their game so we had to wait Mm -hmm. until they selected the kids but that's no big deal. I mean, good Lord, we can find 18 more kids, you know, on defense that'll play. And so Gary Gary coached in it and we won in 2002 and invited I two or one, one of those years, I said, we invited them to come back here to Houston and they declined and went to Florida. And that's when the Bayou bowl was attached, became attached to Louisiana. And Gary was a coach there. Now I will tell you this, that Gary had 17 kids. And I said, you get 18 coach. And I said, take your son. So Scott was one of his players on defense. And so Scott came with us and Scott and another boy, I can't remember his name of safety. They ran the defense. We ran the Katie defense and, you know, you know how those, the DBs and all that they trigger. Mm -hmm. Well, those California guys weren't used to that. And here, you know, they thought we were stunning. No. When you do this, these guys are going to do this. And they will, <laughs> they will trigger in a heartbeat. And we knocked the living fire out of them. 
And uh, they they said, well, we cheated after the game. I said, no, we didn't cheat. We had a, co- a coach that did a tremendous job. And our kids were well coached from that standpoint. They mm-hmm. went after your fanny. And you guys didn't like it. Then the other thing that happened, this is funny. We had to take, I, I wanted to take our referee and our umpire out there. And so they, the shrine said, yeah, you can do it, but you have to pay for it. I said, not a problem. I got a guy in Baytown to sponsor him. Okay, and they flew out. And it was Mike Atkinson, a guy named Munoz. And I can't think of his first name, but he's a big guy. He was the umpire. And the only reason we won is because we had those guys. Because the same thing happened to us the year before. was all of a sudden we're ahead, and all of a sudden there's clock malfunctions. And so the clock starts again. We're ahead. They got the ball late. And all of a sudden, the clock is going haywire. And Mike Atkinson <laughs> goes over to their sideline. Then he comes to ours, and he said, Dick, uh, Munoz is going to keep the clock on the field. And I said, great. And so we won. And, uh, you know, they we, ha- we wouldn't have if we hadn't had Mike along to tell those guys, hey, wait a minute. No, no, your clock operator is not doing what he needs to do. We'll take care of it down on the field. <laughs> so that was good. But it was a great experience. And Gary is a phenomenal coach great person and his staff yeah. we had greg miller at that time and okay. uh, mark oh i can't think of his last name he was a computer whiz but he came with us and uh then scott joseph was on that staff and then uh gary's dad eddie came out and his mom to watch their grandson uh, jeff play yep and jeff was i mean jeff was phenomenal did a heck of a job and that was and I don't, I don't, did I say Scott before? Jeff is the one. Yeah, he, Jeff, Jeff is the son. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff is the one he took to play. And I mean, he, he was the reason we won. I mean, cause they were triggering, they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jeff has done a phenomenal job. And we got some of his kids playing in the Bayou Bowl this year, PNG. And do you realize this is the 20th year of the Bayou Bowl? Okay. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask, uh, that was my next question, actually, to talk a little bit about the Bayou Bowl and, and the evolution. I know, like I said, you mentioned, Playing a California team, playing Louisiana team, and now it's become you know east east versus west. You know, with in Houston, which I mean I think is pretty fitting because of the amount of talent in in Houston. I think we can definitely provide enough for for uh, an all star game of just our kids. Uh, so just kind of tell us a little bit about just how that's evolved and, and your role in it. Well, I mean, what happened is that uh, when when we came back and then California ended it, uh, the guy who was the CEO of Amogee Bank in Baytown called the economic developer of Baytown named Mike Shields. And this guy's name was Connie McGuirk, who was an All-American football player back in a long time ago at A&M. And he asked Mike to reach out to me because Mike's sons played for us at Lee. And so uh, he said, can we bring an all-star game to Baytown? So then I took that to the board. And uh, so then we reached out to uh, Louisiana and we went over there. And it was Jim Creech, Tim Tackle, myself, Les Kenning. And uh, we drove over to meet with their uh, athletic people. And uh, there was a guy there named Tommy Henry, who was not a very nice person, didn't really talk to us and said, yeah, you can play, but none of our kids can play, blah, blah. But we did get the Louisiana kids to come over. And uh, we had coaches from a Mississippi Juco, which was a disaster. But at least they came over. The first year was a great year. Creech was the head coach. We won. Um, and Tony Heath was the OC, along with uh, Eric uh, Wells, who was the head coach at Dawson at one time. And then Gary was the DC, and he had pretty much his same staff. I think the guy's name, Mark Thompson. That's the okay. guy's name. And, uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, he had his staff, and we won the game. And uh, those guys pilfered some of our equipment. You know, and they took some of Creech's stuff. They tried to get away with the game balls. These are the Juco coaches from Ole Miss, you know, or from Mississippi. And we stopped them at every angle. But then the next year we went over with the mayor of Baytown, which was Pete Alfaro, Connie McGuirk, and I. We flew over and we met with their uh, board. And it was interesting because, you know, the, the mayor talked, Mr. McGuirk talked, and then he asked me to talk a little bit about the game. And when I'm talking, Tommy Henry starts to talk. Now, Pete is a graduate of UT, and he's got this ring, and he bangs it on the table when he wants attention, okay? 
<laughs> so this guy's talking and I'm talking and he stops, he's banging. And I thought I stopped and I looked, I said, Mr. Mayor, did you want something? And he said, yeah, coach Olin, why don't you stop? He said, Tommy Henry is talking while you're talking. So obviously he has more important things to say to this group than you do. So coach, you sit down and let's have Tommy Henry stand up and he can talk. And Tommy Henry said, no, 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 please. And no, Pete said, no, no, you were talking all the time while coach was talking. So go ahead. And he said, no, he said, I'll stop. He said, let's hear what coach Olin has to say. So I talked briefly. Then Tommy Henry stood up and said, I make a motion that we make this our state game. And that was it. Now, that never would have happened if Pete hadn't embarrassed him in front of all of his uh, peers. And when mm-hmm. that occurred, bam, then they said, let's do it. And so then that's how it became, you know, they got involved. And then it ended in 2013. And, you know, for all those years, they came over and never, never contributed one penny to the game. Not one. We brought them over. We fed them. We housed them. We gave them equipment. And the last year, their kids had more equipment than ours. And so we asked how that occurred. And they said, well, we give our coaches $10,000 to buy extra gear and to pay them. And we said, whoa, wait. Our coaches all volunteer. We get all our kids' equipment through our vendors, and you get the same equipment. And you're doing this. You know what? You need to have your own game. And we'll have ours. So that's when it ended. Then the first one was at Fort Bend. And Philip O'Neill saved our fanny. And Chris Massey, you can ask Mass about this. Massey was the president. And he was the head coach then for that first year. Or, you know, he was in charge. And Kenny Harrison was one of the coaches. And Massey was in charge. And we went, you know, we had the funding and everything. And then all of a sudden they pulled the funding out. Like on a Wednesday when the kids were supposed to come in. And so we had to, oh, my gosh, we had to scurry and do a lot of things. But then we stayed in the motel. Both teams stayed in one motel. They, the motels helped us out tremendously. They got us out of our contract, and they let us go one night. And uh, so we had the game. We had like 7,000 people. It was a great game. Philip O'Neill saved us. You know, he didn't charge us for the use of the stadium, didn't charge us for any buses or anything like that. But Creech and I and Sheffy are, and Massey are in there, and we got the food and all that. Massey, his sphincter was so tight, you couldn't – I mean, it was unbelievable. And he, he was – he went head coach on us, you know, and we're standing there. And he goes, hey, will you guys do something like that in a crazy voice? And Creech and I and Sheffy all just started laughing. I said, hey, did he just go ahead, coach, on us? They all said, oh, yeah, he went head coach on us. So we, we laughed, and then everything was calm. But it was a good game. We got through it. And then the next year, we decided, okay, we came back to Baytown. And then we started – then, you know, we went to Katy. It's been in League City. It's been in Kingwood. You know, and now it's going to be in Mount Bellevue. So – you know, it was in Rosenberg a year ago. Yep. And so every place that we've taken, it has been very receptive and it's really, really good. And uh, even in Fort Bend, even though the funding was withdrawn, that was a huge crowd. It was a great night. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's been, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have a couple of kids playing it last two years and we have another one this year, but, but it's, it's a great, it's a great deal. And, and, and I'm hoping that we can, you know, we keep, uh, keep continue to grow it and, and just make it even, even more, you know, get some, some other, some more teams involved. You know, I, I feel like there maybe there's some teams that have been underrepresented, uh, you know, for whatever reason the last few years. So I just, I want to make sure that we continue to grow that and just get more involved. Cause I think that the more we grow, I think that the, the more exciting, the more fun of a game it can be for everybody involved. Yeah, I, I think that the things that have happened this year with Chris Brisser, you know, where we've had these functions for head coach or coaches to come, I think the thing that we need to do is we need to get emails, you know, on all the coaches so that they get all the emails that, like Chris has been sending out to just the head coaches. Uh, because a lot of times head coaches don't share that information with everyone. Some do, some don't. You know that. Yep. And if they can send it directly to them, that would be beneficial. But I think the thing that's really helped us is that we have, you know, Rob Lynch now. You know, last year we had Wade Phillips and Jackie Sherrill as honorary coaches. And this year we got Dan Pastorini and Clint Sterner. 
So because of Rob Lynch and his influence with the uh, Houston, uh, uh, the Texas Bowl and the Houston Legends, uh, the uh, all the guys that played in the NFL and have gold jackets and all that, he has got a way of asking them to play or come and coach it, and they serve as honorary coaches. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a great experience last year. And, you know, last year I got knocked on my fanny. And Joe <laughs> Sheffy saw it, and he just laughed. He said, yeah, I paid that official 20 bucks to knock you down. But uh, <laughs> I, here I am, my you know, my old white-haired bottom rolling on the ground. And last night I was watching the uh, the Roughnecks, and Wade Phillips got knocked yes. on his fanny. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. I, that I, yeah. I'm going to email him and tell him, hey, now you know how I felt. It was good to see that white hair rolling on the ground. Glad you're okay. But that was good. And he was the first one to help me up, too. He said, you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm good. You know, but you can't take a hit like you used to. So oh, Yeah. It's, the recovery time is, is much longer. Oh, a whole lot. But it was fun. I mean, it was great. What a great experience. Yeah. And those guys were so good. And, you know, when the skydivers came, were you out there when yes. the skydivers came? Yes, sir. Those two guys just stood there and looked up. I mean, Wade thought, this is great. And Pastorini said, you can only do this in Texas. And I said, yeah, there's no question. And those guys are doing it again this year. We got a good sponsor in State Farm. So they're they're coming out again. Okay. And that's a neat, neat, neat feature, in my opinion. It, it really is. Yeah, the kids kids, you know, don't get to see that kind of stuff a lot. So, no. So they, they were very impressed by that, you know, the, the ones – uh, when, when we saw it last couple of years. So, and, and you know, uh, we try not to take any more than one per school, but you know, sometimes you take more simply because we still want to have a good game. And, and it's just like you're, you all love your kids and want them to be recruited, but sometimes there's a difference in play. You know, these kids are not quite as good as this kid and we want to try to take the best we can and yet stay to that one player per, per team. However, if you only have five linemen nominated, you know, you're, you're kind of in, in a world of hurt. Right. And, you know, we, we didn't have that many nominations on the East side this year. Now Jim had more this year than he had last and we had less, but I think we had, you know, I I can't remember how many teams I have, but I've written it all down. Yeah. Uh, No, it's a, it's something that I think we definitely do, you know keep keep promoting, keep trying to grow. Uh, you know this year's game will be you know, like like you mentioned out at, at Mount Bellevue uh, on June tenth. You know, so yep. you know encourage all of our listeners. You know, if they, if they have a chance, it's a great summertime atmosphere for for a football game. So uh, yeah. everybody can come be a part of it and and we can continue to grow up for next year as well. Yeah, and the one thing that we used to do because you know Norman Richardson, he used to set up in the end zone, and mm-hmm. uh, yep. He would feed us. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And we need to do that again, you know, from the camaraderie standpoint. And we're going to try to make it happen. But since Norman, Norman's passed away, and uh, I don't know who will carry the torch, but I'm sure we can get it done. Uh, we just have to visit with Mount Bellevue and the uh, uh, the uh, Barbers Hill ISD to see if we could actually do something like that. But, you know, the, the, thing, the only thing that's disappointing – is when you have kids playing in the game and their coaches don't come to support them. Mm-hmm. Now, that's disappointing. And and the coaches should be there. I mean, anytime that you're, you know, like I'm sure you did this, you know, the paperwork that Jim and I send out, you know, sometimes coaches fill it out, sometimes kids fill it out. But, you know, we had kids play in that THSCA game and you better make sure that, Everything is filled out and filled out correctly. And, you know, as far as the ads were concerned, the ads, it cost us $500 to put an ad in for our player. But I made, I made sure that everything was done correctly and that our kids got to where they needed to be so that they could participate in that game. And, and you know, I, I think that now, you know, with the recognition from these honorary coaches that, you know, there's a little bit of a difference, you know, in that game. And that uh, I think that we'll have, you know, probably a bigger crowd and we'll have more involvement from coaches in the future. And uh, especially if the kids go back and talk it up at their school. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've tried to do some of that. And, you know, and I know it's summer and, you know, some coaches have vacation and, and 
you know, I know if, if, if I were to ever get in a situation where, you know, uh, obligation comes up where I can't be there, I would want to make sure that, you know, position coach, court, somebody from our school is yeah. there to represent, to support the kid, you know, because I, I think that's a big deal. And, and again, not, not to say that we have to drop everything for, for this, but, you know, just have some kind of representation, something, somebody supporting those kids, I think goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know what your school is like, but I'm sure it's like ours at Baytown Lee. You know, there were times when we would have parents night. And coaches would represent the kids because the parents wouldn't come. Yep. So, you know, that might be a scenario. And, and you know, that's why you want to be there for your kids. Good Lord, those guys have been with you since they were freshmen, most of them. And you knew them down in junior high. So, you know, there has to be a loyalty there. Yeah, no doubt. Now, I, I did want to ask you another thing, Coach. Uh, you know, you, you've always been regarded as, as an innovator, you know, with your prolific passing schemes and your, you know, seven on seven, on seven program, all the things that you've done. Uh, and, you know, as, as we kind of look toward the future, towards, you know, possible innovations of the game that are on the horizon now, uh, you know, I, I know there's been talk and some states are looking into this of, of paying high school players, you know, with like an NIL type scenario. Uh, and it seems like, you know, it could be a possibility sometime in, in the in the near future. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on this, on this idea and what that might look like in, in the high school world? Well, I think that uh, I don't know who's driving that train, but I think that's crazy. You know, to me, I mean, that's you, you've got situations now today, which I'm not in favor of. Seven, seven on seven to me has gotten out of hand when when we began seven on seven in ninety six. You know, we used our defensive kids. You know, our linebackers were our linebackers. Our secondary was our secondary. The guy snapping the ball was our center. And today people put backs in there to run as linebackers. You know, they have the backup quarterback snap the ball. No, that defeats the purpose of the game. That's not what it was intended to do. And then, you know, it, it got blown out of proportion with Adidas and giving those kids all this equipment and everything like that. I mean, that was nice, but now you have all these street agents and there's one just down the road from us at a school that I won't mention on Beltway 8. You'll have to figure it out, but they've got an indoor and they got a beautiful facility and they opened it up to these guys. They can practice there, have camps there, do whatever. And these kids today, I know that Andre uh, Walker, you know, he comes to these luncheons that we have and he's upset because the running back from Klein, I believe from uh, North Forest, I believe is was a running back that went over to this one school. And, you know, I mean, kids are moving and they've done that before, but I think that things have gotten out of hand. And then if you get into this NIL, it's the same thing in college. I mean, those that have will continue to prosper. Some of the ones that are at the lesser end of it, they won't. It's just, it's just a factor. I'm not for that, but you know what, how do you stop it? Once you've opened the floodgates, you know, it's pretty hard to close them. Now, I think that we haven't opened them yet in high school, and I don't think that our association would allow that. I mean, it, it's ridiculous for it to be has come to this level. But, you know, I'm not a big proponent of select. I don't like that. I don't like any of the select or elite or any of those things, you know, and that happens today. I don't know. Have you got do you have any kids playing in an elite seven on seven team? We we have a couple of kids that that do compete in you know some of those you know outside seven on seven teams and yep you know so so far they haven't been you know a problem or, or intrusive or anything or you know I mean as far as I know that they're not you know trying to get our kids to go go to different schools or move somewhere else but you know I, I know that that's those are things that that have happened you know in oh some yes cases and uh, you know and, and it's not obviously not something that you want to deal with but you know it 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 can be a possibility I think when you do put uh, you know the, these these outside entities in in the mix oh there's no doubt and you know again okay if just think now you get three hours a day with your kids for five days a week for six hours correct mm -hmm. why not let the coaches coach seven on seven you eliminate a lot of issues and now if you have a rule like we used to in 83 when i came here if you played in high school on your high school team, you could not participate in an outside entity. Now, I don't have a problem if a kid wants to participate in like a select baseball or a soccer or something like that after the season. 
but I don't like it during our season in football because I want our kids to play baseball as well. But, you know, when these guys come and start talking to them about, I can get you a scholarship, there's only so many scholarships in baseball. And these guys aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. But yet they sell that to parents. And, you know, what? now some of these guys are making money with this NIL taking kids to college. I know that for a fact. And that's kind of a, a tough situation. But, you know, that's a sign of the times. And, you know, people now are living with it with the transfer portal. I mean, it's crazy. You got to recruit your own kids all the time. So, <laughs> I mean, things things have gotten out of hand somewhat, but I don't know if it's better or worse. You know, I really don't. And I'm not a big, I just don't think that high school kids need to be involved in anything like NIL. It just doesn't need to happen. Yeah, it, it, it does. See, it seems like it'd be a very slippery slope and, and the gap you know, between some of the, the programs that you said have resources and, and some that, that might not have as many, you know, it, I think, it, like you said, it would probably probably widen, you know, if, if we're in, in that situation like that. So it's, it's scary to think about what that might look like. But but I know, I mean, there's conversations. I know that, you know, there's legislature and other states that they're trying to trying to bring that on board. And that it just it's it, it's one of those things that that's we have to consider because there is a possibility that that could happen. Well, yeah. We, you we, got we a congressman, of it. you got a congressman from South Lake that introduced legislation for NIL in high school. Mm-hmm. Now, when we were in Louisville and we saw the South Lake media guy, you got kids from Dallas going to South Lake. You got kids from Michigan going to South Lake, California. I mean, there weren't a lot of kids from South Lake. So, you know, I mean, that's a good program, but you know, if you have money and you want to live in an affluent area, that's the place to go. And uh, you know, and I mean, they get kids from everywhere. So this guy that introduced that, you know, it didn't go very far, but you know, that's that's fine. Yeah, you know, it's it's good for now. Yeah. Uh, now, go, going, you know, to more on the field stuff. I said, I know you, you said you had a, you were known for your, your passing attacks and, and your, uh, your offenses, you know, that, that threw for a bunch of yards. So what, what would you say is your favorite scheme or play and, and what, and what was its purpose? Well, uh, our schemes, you know, basically what we did, you know, the thing that we liked the most is we liked screens, love screens, love quick game, you know, and the idea is to throw the ball and get it out of your hands and complete passes. Now, I know everybody's into the RPOs and all that, but having played quarterback, I want to know where my receiver is going to go. You know, when you give him option routes, okay, and it, the original option route was you got to 12 yards, you could go either in, out, post, corner, or just stop it. I don't know what you're doing. So I'm standing back there, and you're telling me I need to get rid of the ball in a certain amount of time. of time, And here's all these nasty kids trying to tackle me and kill me and i'm looking downfield waiting for and i'm trying to figure out what this guy's doing looking at a second no i want to know where you're going to be and then i'm going to throw that football there you know and i'm not a big rpo guy i mean play action yes i'm going to ride do all those things but i'm not going to ride and read and do all that now if you can do that more power to you that's great and i'm not a back shoulder guy even though people are doing that you know, you can do it in the NFL. You can do it in college because you practice it. If you practice those things in high school, great. But the one thing that we always did, you know, wherever I coached is, and this is something you should take to the bank, is called one voice. Okay, that means I'm the quarterback coach. No one else coaches the quarterbacks but me. I have a running back coach. He coaches the running backs. No one else. O-line, receivers. Now, we were fortunate. I had two receivers, coaches, because we were either two-by-two, three-by-one, or empty. One would be on the left side, and that was, like, for example, Cedric Cormier, tremendous player, great kid. He was on the left side. Larry Haynes is on the right. You know, our running back coach was Chris Stiffel. I had the quarterbacks. Clint Riley had the O-line, and we had another guy that would help him. But those guys, you know, had those people. Now, when we got off the field, we watched video, we talked. But on the field, there's only one voice. Only one person talks to their kids, not everybody. Now, as a head coach, 
Can I talk to those kids? Sure. But I never did that on the field. I never talked to them. I always talked to them. You know, I talked to the coaches and then they would talk to the kids. Mm -hmm. I never did that. That's why that one voice is so important. I was on a staff when I first started out where a guy made a comment one time about, hey, the old line guy missed his block. The head coach said, how do you know he missed his block if you're coaching the position you're supposed to coach? Yeah. I went, that's a good point. You watch your guy take his steps and go. Let that old line guy make the correction. That's what he's getting paid for. So one voice is extremely important. But what we did, we threw a lot of screens. We had always screens. We had sometimes screens. And then we had screens that were just things that we would put in. But there are certain screens we're going to take with us everywhere. My favorite is middle. It's so simple. And, uh, you know, I'd have to draw it up for you and show it to you. But anybody can run it, whether it's the X, the A, the tailback B, Y, Z, whatever. They can all run middle screen. And uh, you can do it with motion, movement, trades. It doesn't matter. But, you know, the idea for us was to get into a lot of sets and run the same thing from a lot of sets. And one of the plays that I really love, other than screens, is a play we called perfect. And... And and the signal for perfect, because we like to have fun. You know, the coaches all say, well, how the heck are you going to signal perfect? I said, I'm going to point at myself. <laughs> and all the kids laughed at that. They thought that was funny. Well, the thing is, perfect was our two-minute offense, but it was also our hurry-up offense. If we're going slow, you know, then I would yell, perfect, let's go. The quarterback would run it, not me. The play is always going to be two-by-two two formation. We're always going to go a hitch and a vertical on one side. We're going to have double slant and a shuffle-shuffle flat by the tailback on the other side. We're always going to run our hitch vertical into the sideline, and we're going to always run our double slant, shuffle-shuffle flat from the field. And the quarterback, if he's got quarters or if he's got one eye we're going to work the hitch all the time down the field we will take hitch all day long catch it face up run get out of bounds that's what we do and if the ball's in the middle of the field the quarterback can direct it right or left if it's on the left hash then the hitch vertical is going to be on the left the double slant flat will come from the field so that was our offense our hurry up offense and we would practice two minutes every single day and we won games because we practiced it and because our kids knew what to do and they were confident the only play we would run is the old wing t trap and uh you know the tailback is behind you and the quarterback would just reverse pivot and have it we trap and away he'd go and he could pick up a lot of yards and then you know first down the clock stops we mm-hmm. get on the ball and away we go again that was it. And then we had another series that we'd call Raider. It was five plays that we memorized, and those kids all knew it. And Brian Johnson, uh, you know, he was the MVP in the Sugar Bowl against when he played at Utah against Alabama. And they ran Raider at Utah. They ran Raider against Alabama and went right down the field and scored that first possession. But the Raider never stops. You're just going. And the only thing that you have to practice is that your linemen sometimes, they get a little sluggish, you know, because you're moving down the field, you're going. Yeah. So you got to make sure that they go. So when we would go and practice, and I would say, Raider, man, they're coming running from wherever they are, and away we go, and we do it. We do it on air because we got a guy that's going to set the ball, and we go. Or we would say two-minute, and away we go with perfect. So those are plays that we ran. Now, our base offense, you know, it's two by two, but you know what's so funny is that when we started, we'd always have a tight end. And then we ran out of tight ends. Mm-hmm. But then we went two by two. We always had good skill. And so we had we were fortunate we had quarterbacks. But it's because of what we did, kids wanted to be in the be quarterbacks. And then we developed our program down in elementary. And it wasn't, you know, and I tell people today, you know, if you're gonna be a quarterback coach and you want to coach quarterbacks, you find Todd dodges what he does and you do exactly what he does. It's totally illegal. But if you get caught, you say, well, 
I saw this at a clinic and uh, Todd Dodge is doing it. So I thought it was okay. But he brings, <laughs> he brings junior high kids up to the high school and has quarterback school and all that, which you can't do, but he does. It. Yeah. And so I said, I told Willie uh, that I gassed in that when at North Shore, I said, you do everything that he does. And if somebody says something, you say, well, look, it's in this magazine. It's in this publication. So we're doing it. <laughs> but the one voice is extremely important. Yeah, that, that, that's huge. That, that's something that needs, needs to happen, needs to be implemented Yeah, uh, in a program for sure. And when you get into, when, when we got into my office, you know, then we talked. And, and, you know, we went over practice plans. What are we going to do? Everybody would have their input. We did it. And my coaches coached. I let my coaches coach. Hire good people and let them do their job. That's what we did. Yeah. And I never went down to the defensive field. Never. You just got to trust them. Well, the coordinator would hire, remove. And the only thing I ever did on the sideline was I, I would walk by and I would say, hey, are we ever going to stop anybody? <laughs> Just let me know. And then, and then I would walk back. And, you know, I, you know, I put our D.C. sometimes in bad situations. We fake punted on our own three-yard line. And, <laughs> and he came running over. He goes, what in the hell are you doing? He said, why did you do that? I said, why didn't you talk to me? I said, what would you say? He said, I would have said, don't do it. And I said, that's exactly why I didn't ask. I did it because I'm the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a good time. And that was Daryl Warden. He's a great coach. Great coach. Yeah. And that was against Sonny, uh, Sonny Karras when he was at spring that we did spring. that. Yep. But our center had gotten hurt, so we didn't have a deep snapper. And Troy <laughs> Rogers was our special teams guy. He said, hey, we got this fake punt. And I said, do it. And you know what? The guy that we had throwing the ball, if he would have thrown it, if he would have thrown a little better pass, it would have gone 90 some yards for a touchdown. <laughs> but he threw the ball so hard way out in front of a guy. And Sonny came after it. He rushed 10 and he only had one guy back. Golly sakes, which I knew he was going to do. But anyway, that's just one of it. Those are things you can tell and laugh about. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, it makes him a great story later on. Oh, heck yeah. So. All right, so my, my, my last question, Coach, is, you know, it's kind of what this, this podcast is based on is just Houston area football. So, you know, you, you've been in the area for a long, long time. Uh, how would you explain Houston area football and its legacy to somebody who's not been around it? Well, you know what? It's a camaraderie to me. Most of the coaches get along. You know, I mean, if you go scout, which, you know, all of us don't always do anymore because we all get huddled, but back in the day, you could go and sit down and, and, you know, Katie might be there or whatever. And you could sit and talk to guys and exchange information, you know, and, you know, then the GHFCA helps bring guys together. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendous organization, you know, and everybody, I think everybody supports everybody. And I think that we want our people to be successful. Now, when I was in Dallas, again, that's a money situation where I was and it's, it was just a different atmosphere. And uh, the coaches have tried up there, which we've talked about, to get a GHFCA going up there. And they haven't been able to do it. Now, there's good coaches up there, no question. And, and you know, there's great guys as well. But then, you know, it's just a different atmosphere. That's all I can say. And, uh, you know, we're very fortunate to be in Houston and to have going what we have going. And, you know, with our board of directors, I thought Brister – I think he did a phenomenal job this year as a president. Mm -hmm. I agree. Phenomenal. And I hope, I know Greg will do a great job too next year, but it's a good organization. Now we got good directors and uh, you guys are doing a good job as well. And I try to keep up with you guys, but I can't, you know, I mean, <laughs> when we're talking about uh, the, uh, what the heck, Oh, benevolence fund. And I said, well, really Fritz. And I said, good Lord. You know, Dick, you got to listen. I told Creech and Massey and Joe, I said, hey, let me know what the heck they're talking about. So <laughs> I can, because sometimes I don't pay attention. That's probably why I didn't get real good grades. I got in trouble at school. <laughs> but no, it's a great group and it's fun to be there. And I'm glad we're meeting places where we can eat, talk. And I thought last time that was great out there in that little uh, patio type deal. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we were out there by ourselves, nobody else, you know, and it was good. I thought that was really good. Yeah. That, that, the organization is, is it's, I've been a, fortunate to be a part of it last couple of years and, and it's just, it's a great, great thing to, to really kind of help bring everything together. And, you know, I, I've also just had the, the fortune of knowing nothing but Houston area football. I mean, I grew up here, played here and, you know, came back and every, every job I've had has been in the Houston area. So I'm kind of, yeah, I, I think as, as I learn more, I, I realize I'm pretty spoiled, you know, that, that this is all I know. And, and I just assume that, you know, this is what coaching is and this is what organizations are like all over the place. But, you know, I know, I know that's not the case. I know that we're just, we're just, very fortunate and you know in large part because of the work that has been done by by the people who you know from from your generation that, that kind of helped bring this all together and, and organize it all and, and now we just get the get to keep going based on what y'all started yeah uh, there's no question it's a great group and i hope that it can continue and there's kind of bringing back some of the things that they used to do which you know again those were good things people getting together and this awards assembly we're going to have on May 7th, that's going to be nice. Bring back yeah. some of the Hall of Honor people. Those are good things. And I just think that we're very, very fortunate again. And we just have to keep that thing going. But, you know, what you said is absolutely true, that uh, other areas have tried it, but they haven't been able to do it. So there's something magical in, in Houston, and uh, we're very fortunate to be a part of it. Yep, and we, we just need to keep it going. That's exactly right. So. All right, well, Coach, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a great to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And, and uh, again, I can't thank you enough for all the many contributions you've had for our profession and just the ways in which your example has allowed us to continue to, to lead young men and women through the power of positive coaching. So uh, hopefully, you know, we can keep this, this program going and, and have you on again another time. Love to. It'd be great. And I appreciate you calling me and asking me to do it. I have a lot of fun. And, you know, I've been blessed in my career. And, uh, We've had good players, and I learned at 26 that, uh, you know, I thought I had all the answers, and I found out that I didn't. And uh, the longer I coach, the more questions I had about what the heck is this. So, you know, but it's great. you got to have good coaches around you, good administrators. But great. It was a great life. Great. I've had a great life. Can't, can't thank everyone enough. Yes, sir. Well, again, I really appreciate you, and I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day, and, and hope we'll talk soon. Good deal. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thanks, Coach. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Houston Coaches Podcast, presented by the Greater Houston Football Coaches Association. Our theme song is In the Battle of Good and Evil by Ryan Davis, a former high school football coach. Please subscribe to our show and leave us a review so we can continue to spread our message to a larger audience. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation about Houston area football and its impact on all those privileged to be a part of it.